feels good. Congratulations. Congratulations. We've weathered a storm here. Open your Bibles tonight to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Let's get right in the Word. Our time is short, and we want to give this everything that we have. So the reason for this series, there's really about three reasons that we need to discuss, uh, and they're very simple. Number one is this. It's to correct the basic errors in our understanding of prayer that lead to wrong or even harmful outcomes. If you believe that God is a vending machine, you put your prayer in, you press the button, and what you order drops out, that could be very disappointing. If your faith modifies to the slot machine mentality where you put your, your quarter in, you pull down on the one-armed bandit and things spin around and sometimes nothing happens and that's okay because that's part of prayer and sometimes it's a jackpot and you're so excited about it, you're still missing what prayer is all about. Somebody say amen now that you can, right? So correct basic errors in our understanding of prayer that lead to wrong or even harmful harmful. Let me tell you something. The people I run into that used to be believers that now do not consider themselves believers did not mentally uh, ascend to a higher transcendent knowledge. Normally, they actually descended because of an unanswered prayer and no longer trusting who God is because when they prayed, he didn't do what they asked him to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So we need to understand what prayer is. This is not about moving mountains at the moment. This is about understanding the basic foundational truths of prayer. And the first thing we have to do is sometimes correct that foundation. Because if you were taught something or have believed something in error, we have to correct that at the very beginning. Second thing is this, is to take our time and just really dig into the truth about prayer. I don't want to do a three-week series on prayer. I want to talk about prayer until Freedom Center Church is a people of prayer. We're going to be talking about this for a while. We're going to be doing this for a while. We're going to be organizing this for a while. We're going to be exercising this for a while. And the third thing is this, that taking, we just want to take prayer to a new level in our private lives and in our corporate lives and, and certainly uh, to the world. I believe that faith in a prayer-answering God will produce a prayer-loving people. And so we're going to learn about spiritual warfare. We're going to learn about the first, second, third, second heaven, the, the, the third heaven. We're going to talk about warfare in Ephesians. We're going to talk about binding and loosing and, and a lot of great stuff. But we need to start with the basics. And so today, let's just review quickly what we've taught so far in the first two weeks. I'm going to be doing this a lot. We're going to spend a few minutes reviewing because one of the greatest errors in communication is to believe that after I told you, it's been communicated. How many of you guys know it isn't communicated until you get it, not until I get rid of it, right? So I want you guys to get this. So let's review the building blocks. Number one is this. Say this with me. Read it on the screen. Come on, say it with me. Everything in the kingdom, come on, say it again. Everything in the kingdom flows out of relationship with the king. You have to know that. Everything in the kingdom, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, everything in the kingdom flows out of a relationship, your relationship with the king. This is why Jesus starts his teaching with prayer by just saying, listen, you know, you guys said teach me how to pray. Here we go. This is where it starts. It starts with knowing and having a relationship with the one you're praying to. He begins by saying, if you want to pray, pray this way. Our, our father, right, who's in heaven, hallowed, awesome, holy, fearful, revered be your name. It's not, it's not a punchline and a joke. It's not something we say when we, cut, uh, when, we, when we stub our feet. And it's not a name we're going to use in vain, not really believing that what we're praying is not going to come to pass. Hallowed be your name. So let's start with the beginning. Relationship and the hallowedness. And always remember this, guys. The primary purpose of our prayer is not to move mountains. It's to be moved by the mountain mover and to move the mountain mover. Please hear me. And this is so hard to say because... We, we've taken this to an extreme where almost there's a, there's a genie-like relationship where I did what I was supposed to do, I made my request known, and you're supposed to do it, or somehow you failed. Hear me. The greatest reward of prayer is spending time with God. 
But let me also say this. As we spend time with God, we're going to know his heart. We're going to pray his will. So the greatest thing that God is ever going to give you is himself. So we go into the presence of God to make petition. We go into the presence of God to do warfare. We go in the presence of God because I got my Bible, the birds are chirping, the sun's rising, and I got a good 12-ounce hot cup of coffee. Somebody give me a witness, right? The, the greatest reward of that season is not just the moving of mountains. We'll get there in a minute. But the greatest fulfillment of that season is moving the mountain mover and being moved by him. I'm, I'm not saying that's the end of prayer, but if we don't begin with our Father we cannot end up with demons fleeing and blind eyes opening. So knowing God's the greatest prize. We also talked about this, that prayer is the act of relational faith in God that requests the substance of his kingdom to come to people, places, and situations on earth. This is why Jesus' next statement, Jesus teaches us how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about uh, last week where we, we really try to push into this a little bit because there's this sense of what, what I want to happen is what I call prayer. Understand this. Prayer is not praying what you want. I'm not saying you can't pray what you want. I'm saying don't misunderstand prayer with my kingdom come, my will be done. And God didn't bring my kingdom and God didn't do my will. Therefore, God didn't answer my prayer. Therefore, God doesn't care. Therefore, I no longer believe in God. Can you see the error? How many of you guys know we logically proceed to error? So often, God is love, true or false? Come on, God is love, true or false? Love is blind, true or false? Stevie Wonder is God, true or false? How do we get there? Well, we got there logically. If God is love and love is blind, then Stevie Wonder is God. You go, where did that theology come from? Well, it came from logical conclusion, logical step, logical next step. So here's the question that we need to discuss tonight as we're going to spend the remainder of our time is, is this, how do we pray for God's kingdom and God's will. And I, and I want you to hear me tonight. If you will pray God's kingdom and you will pray God's will, you will see God answer your prayers in a way very different from when you pray your kingdom and your will. Somebody say amen. Do you see that or no? Come on, you got to help me out here. There's only 12 of you, but you got to say amen. I've been talking to a camera for three and a half months. Give me a break. All right, finally you're here. Listen, if we will pray, if we will say the substance of heaven that we know is your will to come to earth, when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we know that it's his will, we know we stand on his promises, we know that he's our father, how many of you guys know we're going to see things move in a way that when we just rub the lamp and say, God, I'm just throwing one up there, so, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz, right? There's a Janis Joplin prayer right? And then there's an our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven prayer. They're completely different. So let me give you a couple things to get your, your thinkers thinking, to get your feelers feeling, to get your hearts pumping. Here we go. Number one is this. If you want to learn to pray God's will, you got to learn to be quiet and listen before you speak. Often when I don't know what God wants me to pray, I don't make something up. When I don't know what to pray, I, I don't just, you know, okay, I want a ball and I want a uh, 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 soccer goal, I want to sit on Santa's lap and get a cookie. When, when, when I don't know what to pray, how many of you know if you don't know what to pray, it's okay not to, not to ask for anything. It's okay to listen. There are times that I don't know how to pray. You know how I pray? God, I don't know how to pray, so lead my prayer. God, break my heart. God, move my spirit. God, fill me with your spirit so that a, a language that I don't even understand prays your perfect will. I, like, we have this ability, guys, in spiritual gifts to pray his perfect will, all the while my, my conscious mind not even knowing that it's his perfect will. 
I, I can just say, I've, I've walked by homes before on a prayer walk, and just something broke my heart about this place, and I don't stop in front of somebody's house. You ever see me in front of your house and I'm doing this? It's because I'm being frisked by a police officer, okay? I'm not that weird praying guy, but as I walk by, just something's grieving me, something's grabbing me, something's, something's not right. And as I walk by, I'll just kind of, I'll just begin to intercede. Something's not right. Father, in Jesus' name, sick them. In Jesus' name, destroy whatever's destroying those people. Well, what is that? I don't know what I'm praying. I don't know if there's addiction. I don't know if there's molestation. I don't know if there's, you know, witchcraft. I have no idea. All I know is this. If my spirit says something ain't right, I get God's spirit engaged in what's not right. And I pray as well. Whatever is happening in that home, in that family, on that real estate, that isn't your will, I now ask for the substance of heaven to come to this 80 by 120 lot at 910 First Street. And I ask you, God, to move on your behalf. By the way, that's my old address. And people from this church live there now. I'm not suggesting anything bad is happening at that address. That's, they're like, what? Yeah, sorry. I, wonderful Christian people, right? So listen before you pray. Remember Jesus was in lonely places when he prayed? Remember it was often that he snuck off? Remember that he was up early before everybody else? Why? Because Jesus was going to those places at times to listen to know God's will, and to pray, to spend time with the Father. Let's, let's do a quick exercise. This will be fun. I actually saw some kids here tonight. Um, there were some young ladies over here. Could, could I ask one of, one, of, one of you three young ladies that's brave and daring to stand at your feet? You don't have to all do it, but whoever is like the most outgoing, the most intelligent, yeah, okay. Are you going to come up here? Are you allowed to come up here? Okay, come up here. Just stay six feet away from everybody. Can you, just come right here, actually. Can you come up here? Just stay six feet away from me. Come up the stairs right there. This is completely unplanned. But watch, I'm going to do a magic trick. How do you do it? I don't know. It's a magic Here we go. All right. Now, stand right there, right there. Okay. What's your name? Reese. How old are you, Reese? Are you, are you married? Okay, good. All right, stay right there. Now, I want you to tell me about my mood, okay? This is what I want you to do. I want you to look at my hand, just my hand, not my face. Am I in a good mood or a bad mood? Tell me. Am I angry? Am I sad? Am I hurt? Look, only looking at my hand, what mood am I in? Can you tell? Right. You can't. Now look at my face. What mood am I in? Okay. How about now? I'm mad? Yeah. Uh, goofy looking? Okay. What about now? What mood am I in? Sad. Okay. Now isn't it interesting that if you seek my hands, you have no idea what my heart is? But if you seek my face, you know what's happening inside of me. Does that make sense? You're awesome. Pastor Reese, thank you for preaching this wonderful sermon tonight. You can go be seated. Thanks, kiddo. All right. This is why 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says this, okay? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. What is the difference between prayer and seeking God's face? When we pray, we come with a list of things we believe God wants accomplished, his will being done, his kingdom coming to earth. You guys still here? And we, we make our requests known. We join with others. A prayer that's joined with others is a petition. How many of you guys ever signed a petition? So we're, we, we believe, not just me, but Pastor Les and Denise and Mel, and I, we all believe this, that, that it's God's will for, for Reese to grow up to be the next pastor of Freedom Center Church. And so we get around her. We pray, let your kingdom come to Reese's life. Let your will be done in her life. We pray those things. Now it's a petition. I pray, we petition. But, but hear me with this. The, when we ask God for what, he, for, for what we want, you, you, how do we know what it is? Hear me. If you seek his face, you will know what God knows. You will feel what God feels. I, the other day, which is years ago now, we were at a marriage conference in Columbus, Ohio, and I ate something 
that was probably cooked in the culinary department of Ohio State. It's been a while since they did an Ohio State joke, but it feels so good to be back. And it was the sickest. Listen, I was a fall-down drunk for a long time. The sickest I have ever been, I was that, that night. I was so sick. You know, you, you throw up, and then you, can I say throw up in church? Is that okay? Okay. And then you throw up, and then you throw up, and you throw up, and then you feel better, then you throw up, and you throw up. I could, there, were, there were no contractions that were relieved. I literally heaved until I lost consciousness because I couldn't breathe. How many of you guys know a hotel toilet's not the place you want to spend your time, right? I was on my knees. I was praying, but that's not what I'm talking about. I woke up with my head between the stem of the toilet and the wall with toilet paper spinning over the top of my head. My wife came in and said, are you okay? And I said, I, it's time. She said, you're going to have a baby? What do you mean it's time? <laughs> I said, I, I need an ambulance. I passed out again. I don't really remember. I remember, I remember the feeling of being picked up and put on a gurney. I remember being in the hospital. I mean, sick, like deathly, never been that sick before. A friend of mine, now, now hear me, a friend of mine who, who at the time did not believe in miracles came to the hospital at 2 o'clock in the morning was on the marriage retreat. Now hear me. You know, if you say, does God still do miracles? I don't think he does. I know you guys believe he does, but we just came for the marriage retreat. I'll never forget, he came walking into the room and said, are you okay? And I'm like, there's tubes sticking out of every part of my body. I'm gray, I'm dehydrated, and you're asking me if I'm okay. I wasn't even in a good mood yet. They hadn't given me the drugs that got me in a good mood yet. And I, he said, what can I do for you? And I said, would you please pray for me? This is what happened. A man who doesn't believe in miracles but loves God and loves me laid his hands right, up, right on my leg. It'd be below my knee. He just put his hands there. And, and he prayed a simple childlike prayer. This is what happened. I was not instantly healed, but this is what happened. From that moment on, I never felt an ounce of fear. There was an overwhelming peace that came over me, not because I lost consciousness, but because I was conscious of the presence of God as it was represented in my brother. When, if you want to know what God wants you to pray, you've got to be willing to seek his face to know what he wants. He, he didn't know that God wanted me healed. What he knew was his friend was in trouble and God didn't want that. How many of you know he brought with him into the room the substance that was needed by me? God in him, when he walked into the room, everything changed. <laughs> Sickness starts to vanish at the light that you bring. He put his hands and he just, he just prayed some simple, uh, God, uh, pastor, uh, throw up, uh, no more, amen. But I felt... It wasn't a charge, it wasn't a surge, it wasn't a lightning bolt. It was like a warm, heavy blanket went on me, and from that moment on, I wasn't afraid. I was going to be okay. I started caring about my wife and my son, who was in the next room throwing up. It's marriage retreats in Ohio. Ohio's evil. Just write it down. You're taking any notes tonight, right? Listen, we will know what God wants when we find God's face. And when we find God's face, we can pray for his hands with such authority this little girl up here, Reese, I said, what mood am I in now? She says, sad. Let me tell you something. If I was really sad, Reese would know what to do, even though she's eight years old and single. I'm just sad. She said, what's wrong? I said, I just, I just, I don't know. I'm sad. How many of you guys know Reese, being a sweet little kid, would probably come in and give me a hug, and that hug would bring something to me I didn't have before she hugged me? Why? Because she saw my face. How are you? I'm, I'm, what's my face now? I'm happy. I'm happy. Good. Hey, since you're happy, can I have a Twix bar? I mean, she would ask me for something because I'm in a good mood. She would know what to ask for based on my face, but never my hands. Guys, hear me. If you want to know about prayer, I'm telling you, seek God's face and know what he wants to happen. And then you can pray your kingdom come with authority, knowing it's God's will to be done in this way, in this situation on earth. Does this make sense? Okay, so we're going to pray God's will. We're going to listen 
because we want to pray God's will. Second thing we're going to do is simple like this. We're, we're just we're going to, we're going to listen before we pray. I already said that. Okay, good. Oh, I'm pressing the wrong button. That's why it's going backwards. Okay, all right. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to pray God's word because how many guys know that God's word is God's will? Okay, let me say it again because it's being recorded. Okay, how many guys know God's word is God's will? And, and God's will is God's word. How do I know what to do? How do I know how to pray? How do I know what to believe? How do I know what I, what I'm, what I can ask for? How, what do I know about authority and taking something back that's been forfeited? How do I know about warfare? Listen, God's word, when you pray God's word, rightly, by the way, not just some random scripture that goes off in the left field, but when you pray God's word, you are praying God's will. We can get out of balance and say, because I quoted God's word, God has to obey his word, and so I'm manipulating God. It's back to the genie thing. It's never that. But I don't know what to pray, and then I read something in God's word. It tells me what to pray. This makes sense? My son wanted to go to college, my, my oldest son. J.D. never did. But, but Josh wanted to go to college. He said, would you pay for half of it? I said, boy, that's like tens of thousands of dollars. I'm on a pastor's salary. I don't know if we can do this. I'm reading the word of God one morning, and Proverbs says this, by knowledge and do not sell it. And God put his finger on my heart and said, that's for you. You are to buy your son knowledge and do not sell it. And so I said, yeah, we're, we're in. We'll help you. And so we, but how many of you guys know I can't pay the bills? I just, I, just, I just wrote a check that I don't have anything to cover in the bank account. It wasn't too much longer. It was about a year and a half later. I'm sitting in the garage on his couch. He came home from college, moved his dormitory furniture into my garage and took it over. And we also have college-age kids that just moved back in. And they bring back more stuff than they took with them. Somebody say amen. And, and this is what happened. I'm sitting on the couch in my pajamas waving to my neighbors to go to work. I'm reading the book of Proverbs. I'm in that same place. And the Lord, you may have heard the story before, but drop down in my heart. There's an opportunity coming your way. Don't be afraid to do it. Within 48 hours, I got a phone call from a friend saying there's a house for sale five streets down. It's a steal. I've got the financing set up. It doesn't breach any ethics as a minister. It's, it's ready to go. Do you want it? We walked down that night. We, we signed a purchase agreement. The closing fell through the next day from the person that was supposed to close. My realtor stepped in and said, that fell through, but I got the exact same offer. He can close tomorrow with cash. A house. And they said, well, take it. The next day, I immediately, listen, God paid for my son's college because I obeyed what he said. So what I'm trying to say is simply this. I know God's will. Why? Because I know God's word. When God put his finger on that scripture for my son, I knew he didn't have to just bring his finger. He had to bring his wallet too. He had to, where God guides, he provides. I felt your guidance. Now I need something else, right? When Dina walked into my life, I knew that God had put marriage in my heart. And when I saw her, I saw the fulfillment of a promise that I had stand on. When our sons were born, I saw a fulfillment of a promise that God had put on my heart. When we came to Freedom Center, when it was Fenton Assembly of God, you guys became the fulfillment of a promise that God put on my heart. All of these things, I found like identification, confirmation, promise in God's word. Please hear me. Please hear me. Believers in Jesus Christ who do not know the word of God and do not have their own established prayer life are kind of just devil bait. You're the most vulnerable because you're the least prepared to be in Normandy on June 6, 1944. This is, not, this is not Cedar Point. This is Omaha Beach. 
And if we don't know how to protect ourselves and take land and move forward and get off this beach and out of a stronghold into a new stronghold, into the next stronghold and grow from faith to faith and glory to glory, then, then we will literally just spin idle, not producing anything. How many guys know that Christianity is supposed to be an action sport, not an observational sport? We're supposed to be bleeding. We're supposed to be sweating. We're supposed to be crying. We're supposed to be on our knees. We're supposed to be knowing the word of God, praying the word of God, pursuing the word of God, knowing the face of God. And if we don't have that, then all that's left is morality. If Christianity is nothing more than you not doing certain things, you're missing Christ in your Christianity. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. No such thing as a revival that isn't predicated on prayer. No such thing as taking land. No such thing as pushing back darkness. It doesn't begin with people that know the word of God so they know who they are, they know what the right is, and they begin to pray that word into this world. Somebody say amen. So I'm here to tell you right here, right now, if you are not reading the word of God as if it's an instruction manual for your life, a love letter from Jesus, a prophetic utterance over you, telling you who you are. If you're not praying into this world and praying into that scripture for your own heart, it's very easy to know the words to the song but, but miss the purpose of worship. It's very easy to pray the prayer over the Taco Bell and very, very easy to, to, miss, to, to miss the provider of real nutrition. You know what I mean? Like we have to, please hear me guys, the purpose of this is not to get us to pray more often or to get us to pray more prayers. The purpose of this series is to engage God for the sake of the cities in which we live. I'm not trying to make your life better. I'm actually trying to make it harder. Because for some of us it's been far too easy for far too long. Insulated, isolated in our islands of fellowship. It's time for us to begin to get into the world that needs a church that can move beyond the boundaries of four walls, beyond the boundaries of Christianity, beyond the boundaries of cultures and isms that separate ourselves. Somebody say amen. Listen, so how do I know what to pray? This is very simple. An awareness of what God's will is will fill your prayer card daily. I, I just today uh, was, was standing in my backyard. I let my dog out, and she got lost because she's a bulldog, and uh, she forgets where the front door is. She just looks for food and finds the neighbor's cat and stuff. So I went around the corner looking for Charlotte Rose, and I, and I saw a helicopter. How many guys know that when you see a medevac helicopter, it's not because someone's sightseeing. It's because someone is desperately, desperately injured. Well, how many guys know that if you know what God's will is, if it's for healing, the healing of the body, and you see a helicopter, how many know that you begin to pray? You're the kingdom of God, your will be done. Those people that are up there, God bless them, whether it's an organ transplant, whether it's a, whether it's a car accident, whether it's someone gasping with COVID in Jesus' name, I pray healing over that helicopter and everybody in it. Somebody say amen. You hear a siren. Our city day was filled with sirens. Something happened over in Silver Lake Road. Someone went off the freeway. US 23 North was closed. You know, say, hey, there's a terrible accident. As soon as I heard the word terrible, I started to pray. Why? Because someone's having the worst day of their life, and it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to engage the circumstance. Does this make sense? I'm walking down the street the other day in a little plastic liquor bottle, a little Smirnoff, you know, vodka. Any of you guys know about drinking? I know you don't because you come to this church, but, but back in the days in another life, the reason you drink vodka is not because you like vodka. The reason you drink vodka and you throw the bottle out the window is because vodka doesn't smell like bourbon does, like whiskey does. It, and it costs a lot less. It's just distilled grain stuff. So, so when you drink, when you're drinking and you're hiding your drinking, you've got a drinking problem. And when it's right out in front of the high school, that scares me even more. 
because I think it's some dumb kid that started a lifetime of addiction and he's only 16 years old and he's driving, drinking Smirnoff, throwing it out the window so he doesn't get busted by his mom and by a cop. How many guys know we don't have to go far before we find something that doesn't look like the kingdom of God? And when we find those areas that don't match heaven, it is an invitation. Everybody say invitation. It's an invitation to participate in bringing heaven to earth. Prayer is not the thing we do at the place of the time with the posture and the repetition of words. Prayer is what God's kids do 24-7. We pray without ceasing as it comes to our hearts and our minds. You guys still here? So here's, here's the thing. What do you see that God would change to align with his will? Whatever you find, the music starts to play. Whoever's piano lady, which I think is Rob tonight, what do you see that God would change to align with his will? Pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done there. I, I am inviting you tonight, not to an altar call because of, you know, the obvious, I almost said stupidity, the obvious, the obvious, it's obvious. Because of the obvious, let's just stop there. But can I just say this to you? I'll, here's your homework assignment. If you come again next Thursday, if you come Sunday morning, if I never see you again, here's your homework assignment. We have to start to engage the spiritual realm in prayer. We have to start moving back darkness. We have to declare things that we know are God's will in places, over people, over circumstances that we know are not God's will. If I found something that was God's will, let's say your child, just a godly sweet, let's, Reese, can I use you as an example again? This is like the sermon of Reese. Can I use you again? Don't come up here, but can I just use you as an example? She's a beautiful, wonderful, sweet, godly kid. How many of you guys agree with that? If she came up here and I began to declare every lie that the devil would tell a young lady and I screamed it in her face, would that affect her? Certainly it would. What if, what if Reese believed every lie the devil had for her and she walked up and I wasn't screaming, I was declaring the kingdom of God in her life. Would that affect her? So when we begin to declare, whether people know it or don't, whether circumstances change immediately or progressively, if we know that it's God's will for that kid who's drinking at Fenton High School and throwing the bottles out the window to be clean, sober, and in love with Jesus, what are we waiting for? We should be praying against, against alcohol, against alcoholism. We should be praying for the wounds that are in that kid's heart because something's wrong. If at 16, you gotta, you got to chug something to go to third hour. And by the way, I used to be that kid that chugged something to go to first hour. I was hammered by second hour. And when lunch came, I was, I was sleeping in the back seat of my car somewhere. So there, and it wasn't because I was an alcoholic. It's because I was hurting so badly that if you don't anesthetize the emotional pain, then it's overwhelming. And that was just Tuesday. That wasn't a bad day. That was just Tuesday. I mean, know what I'm talking about. Anybody? So what I'm trying to say is this. I know what God wants to do in that kid's life. And so when I saw the bottle, I prayed. When the helicopter flew over, I know something's wrong. I don't need to be told all the details. I just begin to declare healing over anybody that's inside that chopper. When my wife tells me there's a terrible accident, I know someone's having the worst day, maybe the last day of their life. And maybe I'm praying for comfort for a family. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm praying, but, but I, you begin to pray in the Spirit because God knows what we're supposed to be praying when we don't know what we're supposed to be praying. Any of this makes sense to you? Listen to me. If we have to know everything before we pray anything, we won't pray much. So let's just ask God for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. When I stop at that home, I don't know what's going on inside that home, which is not 910 First Street, by the way. It's other homes, other homes, right? 
and I, I don't know what's happening inside. I just know something's not right. So I just bind some things that have authority that shouldn't. I lose some things that don't have authority that should. I pray for the salvation of anybody that's in there. How many of you guys know it's God's will? God is not willing that any should perish. So we pray for people to be saved. We are praying the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Does this make sense? No one's walking around heaven looking for God. So when we pray, God, let your kingdom come, we're asking for God to open the eyes of people that can't see him. I need to close. I need to close. I just want to say this tonight. Here's your assignment. I task you. I burden, in, in a good sense, you. I yoke you with the one who prayed early in the morning and found lonely places to seek his father's face, who only did what he saw his father do and only said what he heard his father say out of a relational prayer that became a functional um, earth-altering reality. What Jesus did, he says, don't get mad at me, I'm quoting scripture, right? Don't get blown to the water. He said, these things I do, you're gonna do. How many of you guys are intimidated by that? But that's only half of it. He said, even greater things than these will they do. So if our prayer is, God, please don't let today be a bad day. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? And God, thanks for the Taco Bell. How many of you guys know we have barely begun to scratch what is our right? And we're not moving anything. We're not moving anything back that needs to move back. That kid needs salvation. And somebody here needs to start praying for him. That person in, in the chopper, their day's not over with. Someone needs to keep praying for him. Your neighbor that doesn't know Jesus, the community, our nation. Anybody find anything in our nation that might need more of God? It's hard, but if you watch the news long enough, you'll find one or two things that might need a miracle. Yeah, that was sarcasm. <laughs> Close your eyes. I'll just say this in closing. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want you to know I ask God tonight. I ask God for Sunday morning. I ask God for right here, right now, that he would move in your life in such a way that you would be willing to invite him into a new level of your life in prayer, in relationship, in mercy. I've, I've asked God to do and to be and to, to show himself. I've asked God to reveal his face. I've asked God to speak. I've asked God to open our hearts that we could hear what he's saying to the church and the individuals in it. I want you to know I, I've prayed over every chair you're sitting in, that we prayed over this auditorium on a regular basis. I'm so glad that there's people in it again. But we pray here several times a week as a staff, and we touch the chairs, and we walk the grounds, and we anoint the doors. I mean, it, it may sound silly to you, but what we're doing is we're reaching out to God, saying, on earth, right here as it is in heaven. Not that the four walls are holy, but, but God does holy things sometimes within four walls. And so, God, tonight I pray that if there's anybody here, you know that we've prayed you know, we've interceded. You know, we've petitioned. I believe that we have seen your face when it comes to the souls of mankind. I know, God, to the extent that I know your great love for, for people, regardless of reciprocation, regardless of morality, I know, God, that I know. And I pray, may every person in this room have a deeper revelation of your heart. I am praying your will on earth. So I just declare over everybody here, that which is not right, God, bring it to correction. Every spiritual ear that's deaf, open it now so that people can hear. Every spiritual eye that's blind, God, open it now so that people can see. And I pray in the name of Jesus, if anybody is distant from you, that tonight you'd answer the greatest prayer that anybody could ever pray. God, would you bring sons and daughters into an adoptive relationship to become part of your family. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're here tonight and you're like, Jim, I'm not right with God. I know it. 
Maybe it's because of this hiatus. Maybe it's because this is your first time in church forever. But between your heart and God's heart, there seems to be a, a cooling or a void or a, a wall. Nothing separates us from his love. But just because God loves us doesn't mean that things are right. Does that make sense? There will be people that go to hell. And it won't be because God doesn't love them. It's because they didn't respond to his love. Heaven is not for good people. Hell is not for bad people. Heaven is for forgiven people. And hell is for people that said no thank you until there was no other opportunity to say yes, please. If you're here tonight and you're not right with God, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to pray for you in the closing moments of the service. Right now, believers, join me. Will you just begin to pray over people that are in front of you, behind you, the left or the right of you. If God needs to do something in their life tonight, that God will do it. Just under your breath. You don't need to scream or just be like, just God touch them tonight. If they're in this room, Father, bless them with, with the blessing of your presence that they would respond in faith to you tonight. Just, just begin to talk to the Lord right now because something important could happen tonight. Something eternal can happen tonight and it'd be an answer to prayer. If you're here tonight, you're not right with God, but you want to be. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. My eyes will be open, your eyes will be open, and God's eyes will be open. And that's it. In a moment, I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hand. and just, you know, I just want to pray for you. I, I'm not going to embarrass you. I can't legally ask you to come to the altar. But I, I want to pray for you. And I want, I want you to know that by the time you leave here, that gap is filled with Jesus. What I was looking for at the bottom of that bottle, it turned out to be God. If you're looking at something tonight, if you're in a place tonight, if you're distant from God tonight, if your passions have, have just cooled your, your love for Jesus or you've never known him tonight, he's a prayer away. That's how powerful God has made prayer. That's the authority we have to ask him to move on our behalf or on the behalf of others. If you're not right with God and you want to be, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. Jim, I'm not right with God. Tonight I'm coming home. That's it, man. I'm coming home. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand all over this room right now. I love that. I've missed this so much. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Would you pray this with me right now? Whether you're watching Sunday morning, you're here right now. Pray this right now. Jesus, every voice right now, say this with me. Jesus, I need you. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not ashamed of that. I need you. Fill me. Forgive me. Draw me close. From this day forward, I belong to you, and you belong to me. And I'll see you soon. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray for the hearts of your people that you would teach us to pray. There's a discipline that comes through hard times. We learn to pray or we learn to stray but we'll never learn to stay. We just can't sit still when things get harder. So God, I pray, don't, don't let the heat and pressure produce distance. Let the heat and pressure produce intimacy with you. And I pray, God, for your people tonight. My heart included, my heart first in line. God, teach us to pray. Say that with me right now, church. Will you just say that? Jesus, teach me to pray. Well, Father, I pray you'd answer our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being the greatest congregation I've preached to in three and a half months. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming.